Hey, welcome to Kings for Christ. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. We pray that today's message touches your spirit and that you're able to take something from it and grow. And we pray that you enjoy. Thank you. Today we will be starting um, kind of like, I guess, somewhat of a series. We're going through the story of Samson. And today will kind of like be like an intro into who Samson is. Um, and it, it'll kind of establish really like a foundation for um and i think there's some some pretty good things that we can pull out today even if it's kind of like a introductory type thing and then the following week we'll we'll probably finish up the story maybe a week or two after today we will start off um in judges chapter 13 and we'll also read chapter 14 so we'll, we'll read two chapters today we'll probably read them straight through it'll it will give us more time to truly just talk about both passages and really like take it in and not try to like force in another chapter at the end. So I think it'll really allow us to have some, some good conversations. And before we start, I will go ahead and pray us in and we can get into our word. Uh, so dear Lord, I thank you for today. Um, Lord, I thank you for allowing us to continue to um, have Bible studies um, in this virtual setting. God, I thank you for the things that we've learned and the things that we will continue to learn. Um, and I thank you, God, that we have a space as men to just come together to talk um, and learn about you and grow um, in our relationships with you and also grow um, with the relationships with others around us. I pray, Lord, that today would truly be fruitful, God, that you would teach us something new, that something would uh, really stick with us, God, that we can use it and apply it into our everyday lives. Um, I guess I pray that you would bless our conversations, God, that we would um, have some very fruitful and engaging conversations and we would be attentive, God, and we would truly just be here and be present, um, learning from one another uh, as we ultimately learn about you. Pray, Lord, that you would eliminate any distractions, God, that we can truly just hone in um, on today um, and truly just grow to be the man that you have called us to be. I pray other things to be done in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So again, we'll be in uh, Judges 13 and 14 today. Primarily how we do it is um, we have been reading in the NLT, the New Living Translation, and we'll try to get uh, everybody to kind of like read a couple of verses um, if you're able. I know some people may be like driving or doing something else, so I get that. But yeah, if you're able to read like three, maybe four verses at a time, that'd be great. And we'll just kind of keep going until we end. Yeah, I'll go ahead. I can start. Oh, man. Reading again, Judges 13. I'm going to read the first four verses. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines, who oppressed them for 40 years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah, to Manoah's wife, and said, even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. And his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. The woman ran and told her husband, a man of God, appeared to me. He looked like one of God's angels, terrifying to see. I didn't ask where he was from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he told me, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food, for your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite 
from the moment of his birth until the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, saying, Lord, please let the men of God come back to us again and give us more instructions about this son who is to be born. God answered Manoah's prayer, and the angel of God appeared once again to his wife as she was sitting in the field. But her husband Manoah was not with her. So she quickly ran and told her husband, the man who appeared to me the other day is here again. Manoah ran back to his wife and said, are you the man who spoke to my wife the other day? Yes, he replied, I am. So Manoah asked, when your words come true, what kind of rules should govern the boy's life and work? The angels of the Lord replied, be sure your wife follows these instructions I gave her. She must not eat grapes or raisins or drink wine or any other alcoholic drink or eat any forbidden fruit. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please stay here until we can prepare a young goat for you to eat. The angel of the Lord replied, I will not eat any of your food, even if you keep me here. If you make a gift, give it to the Lord. Manoah did not know that he was an angel of the Lord. Then Manoah asked the angel, what is your name? I want to thank you for being so kind. I will do this when your word comes true. He replied, why do you ask my name? You could not understand it. Then Manoah took the young goat and some grain. Then he burned it on a rock as a gift to the Lord. The Lord surprised them. As the fire burned up, the angel rose up over the light of the fire. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell to the ground. The angel did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Manoah finally realized it was the angel of the Lord, and he said to his wife, We will certainly die, for we have seen God. But his wife said, If the Lord were going to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted our burnt offering and grain offering. He wouldn't have appeared to us and told us this wonderful thing and done these miracles. When her son was born, she named him Samson, and the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in, excuse me, guys, I don't have a pronunciation, Mahanedan, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Estol. I was lost on that too, honestly. Okay, so I guess just like a real quick summary of what just happened. Essentially, God told Manoah's wife, or God realizes that Manoah was not going to be able, or no, I'm sorry, Manoah's wife wasn't able to have children. The angel of the Lord comes to Manoah's wife, gives her a sense of this prophecy, prophecy that you're going to bear a child, and there's going to be specific things that you need to not eat or not drink. She gives that message to her husband. Her husband prays back to the Lord so he can get more insight, more instructions on how to raise his child. God brings the angel back. They give more insight. So they give an offering to the Lord. It is accepted. And she names his son, Samson. Great. Now let's get into 14. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry? They asked. Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get here for me. She looks good to me. His father and mother didn't recognize the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. As Samson and his parents were going to Timnah. A young lion suddenly attacked Samson 
near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaw apart with his bare hands. He did it as easy as if it were a young goat, but he didn't tell his father or mother about it. When Samson arrived in Timnah, he talked with the woman and was very pleased with her. Later, when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, he turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion, and he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in a carcass. He took the honey out with his hands and ate it as he walked. When he returned to his parents, he gave some to them. They ate the honey, but he did not tell them where it came from. Samson's father went to see the young woman. Samson prepared a party meal there. All the men did this when they married. Thirty young men came to him when he was ready. Samson said to them, let me ask you a difficult question. Give me an answer in the seven days of my party. Then I will give you 30 valuable coats and 30 sets of clothes. But if you can't solve it, then you must give me 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. All right, they agreed. Let's hear your riddle. So he said, out of the one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Three days later, they were still trying to figure it out. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband to explain the riddle for us, or we will burn down your father's house with you in it. Did you invite us to this party just to make us poor? So Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, you don't love me. You hate me. You have given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. I haven't even given the answer to my father or mother, he replied. Why should I tell you? So she cried whenever she was with him. And kept and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, he told her the answer because she was tormenting him with her nagging. Then she explained the riddle to the young man. So before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with an answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson replied, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have uh, solved my riddle. Then the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went out to the town of Ashclon and killed 30 men and took their belongings and gave the clothing to the men who assaulted the riddle. But Samson was furious about what happened and went back into the home, home to live with his father and mother. So his wife was given in marriage to a man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. Wow. Mm. That last part was a, a lot. I ain't know that part. I know, yeah, I know that part either. <laughs> Sunday school, they skipped that part in Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't they, they say they that. Didn't tell us. <laughs> they they, they wouldn't tell us. Can you imagine that? And I'm thinking like, why did why did he offer to give them 30 pieces of clothing if he didn't have it? Like you had to go kill 30 people and then because take he knew. clothes to, to give I it think, to I think, crazy. I think because he I think because he knew that they wasn't gonna solve it. Yeah. Mm. Because it, because it's just if you if you think you're gonna solve it, then I'll give you something easier. I'm gonna give you something that, that I have in my possession. Mm-hmm. But if I say like if I, I or I'll say like okay, um, whoever could touch the sun, I'll give a million dollars to. I ain't got a million dollars, and then one day Drew go touch the sun and send me a picture of it. I'm like, ah, oh, now I gotta come up with a million. So I'm gonna rob people or do whatever I gotta do to give you the million. Right. If, you, if you think about it too, like like you said, Rian, he didn't think he was gonna he didn't think he was gonna solve it because he gave them an unsolvable riddle like only mm-hmm. samson knew the answer to that you know he mm-hmm. had just killed a killed a lion he had just got the honey out of a lion so like only he knew the answer to that and so that's why he knew that when the philistines got the answer the only way they they could have got the answer was through his 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 wife because mm-hmm. she was the only other person he told the answer to so it's like 
he was like, oh, I'm about to, I'm about to, he was like running game on him, I guess. He was about to get those uh, pieces of clothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also to think about this, when God gives you something, it's for you and nobody else, not even your wife. I mean, that's sort of the thing that, that I was getting from it was that when God gives you something, it's best not to tell people. Because when you tell people, that's when they start doubting you and, and then you start having doubts in your mind. But if God tells you something repeatedly or gives you something, hold on to it for dear life because the thoughts of other people will dictate your thoughts and then it will deter you um, from what uh, God has planned for you and your purpose in life. Yeah, and that's a great point, man. Oh, my gosh. That, that's a great point. kind of want to ask, though, about the uh, not even for your wife thing because I get, I, like, I get that. But at the same time, I'm thinking, like, why wouldn't I tell my wife, you know, because if like if, if we are one, I feel like whatever God tells me, she would have to know if I'm leading the household. So maybe is this something like, do I ask God, like, is should I share this with my wife or like, you know, or is something that's given to you where, you know, is specifically for you and not to share with anybody else? Um, maybe well, I was going to say maybe, though, technically he married her and that is his wife. Maybe that wasn't the wife that was destined for God. Like maybe, maybe it was. Maybe I'm reading too wrong. But like, cause they did say God, God's hand was at work. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It seemed like he just he married her. He married her out of looks, and he knew that she didn't like her. Her people didn't believe in God, and they disrespected God. But he still married her based off what she looked like. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I ain't saying maybe God. Maybe they're saying God's hand was at work because he was going to use. What he did wrong, God was gonna do what he did wrong for like steal his glory, or maybe that's actually who God destined for him to be with. I don't know. I didn't. I had a better argument until I until I realized that, that <laughs> it did say that uh, God's hand. They didn't know that God's hand was at work. So mm-hmm. I still. Well, Rian was something that you was gonna say. Yeah, I was just gonna say okay. like like how do you know? Well, he just married her based off looks, but did God tell him to marry her or like? Did he just do it off of looks? Because oftentimes we see stuff that look good, like a chocolate cake. That could look good, right? Mm-hmm. And we know if we eat the whole thing, it's not good for us, but we continue to do it anyway. So it's like, what are what is our where's our correction and saying, I know this is good for me, but this isn't gonna like last. Did he like pray for wisdom? I feel like this is us, I feel like it's some other things that he could have did to avoid this. <laughs> but I know it's all part of God's plan, but um, I feel like it's some things he could have did to avoid this. Yeah, to kind of like preface that really quick, I forget I, there was one part of like the chapter thirteen summary I didn't uh, emphasize in the beginning where it says the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, um, and so He handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for forty years. So the Israelites and the Philistines do not get along like at all. Like it's probably worse than like a black and white race issue. Like they don't. They don't get get along at all. So on the surface, when he seen that she was attractive and his parents were saying, no, this is a Philistine woman. Like, you already know that we ain't we don't get along. Like, is is there something not not right with our people? Like, why you got to, you know, go to something else? Um, So in one sense, it's like his family was lucky trying to look out for him. Uh, But he was just so caught up with with like looks. And he's like, I don't even care about that. Like, let's do this. And so maybe it it could be a thing of of God trying to use this relationship so that the Israelites and Philistines come together. But I don't know if that's entirely the case that's going on. And sometimes, like, 
I can have a mentality like that too, where I may think of a situation where it may not be the best thing to do, but maybe God is using this situation so that way something good can happen out of it. And that, I mean, it very well could be the case, but it's like, if it didn't come from God, then I can't just make a God thing happen or make a God thing work if this isn't something that he wanted me to do. So I can be optimistic and say like, hey, maybe God can can work this. But if God didn't bless it, he's probably not going to do it. Not that, you know, he can't make something out of it. It's just kind of like wishful thinking and unnecessarily faith. So I guess like the, the question is then, is this what he did? Like, was this all part of God's plan or is this God making uh, a rerouting him because he did something in his own will? And God is, I ain't saying he got a justice plan because God already knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But like, you know what I mean? Like, this guy, guy had to like kind of like change things or yeah. take a different route because he, because Samson didn't choose the route that God had for him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely seems more of like a rerouting thing. But th- I mean, I feel like that that happens in our life all the time. <clears throat> you know, there's this oftentimes we make may make a decision that may not be the best decision to make. Uh, but there's still something positive that can come out of it. This is something good that can come out of the, the decision that we've made. And I, I kind of like the, this analogy of like someone said that, you know, my my relationship with God is some would like a GPS, you know, God may tell me to, you know, travel, I don't know, two miles and then turn right. And if I decide to turn left instead of right, like my, my GPS doesn't just, you know, shut off and give up on me. Rather it, it recalculates the decision that I made so that I'm still able to get to my destination. And essentially it's, it's still up to me as to how long it's going to take for me to get there because I can keep choosing the wrong decision to make. But at the end of the day, the GPS is still going to try to get me to my destination, still going to try to get me to where I need to be. And I feel like the same thing happens with God. Like he's still going to try and and kind of like work around the things that you decided to do. Like he still has a plan. He still has something for you to fulfill. And if you want to keep, you know, doing your own things and stuff like that. okay. I mean, this is, you you know, you just kind of prolonging what, what God has for you. But at the end of the day, you're still going to get to your destination. I think too, like, I'm thinking about also like Samson's heartbreak, you know, within chapter 13. I mean, imagining this person that you fall in love with, this person that you marry, now just being easily given off to your best man like that. And how all of this in this chapter alone could have been avoided if he would have just listened to his parents and considered God before making a decision to marry this woman. Because in marrying this woman, he was now associating himself not just with her and her family, but this whole, the whole Philistine group or whatever. And I'm pretty sure things would have been a lot smoother if he would have went a different route or like, like I said, like listen to his parents and, you know, married a person that was who God wanted him to be with rather than who he wanted to, who he wanted for himself. And I'm just speaking like, like personally too, you know, and dealing with women that I had no business dealing with that, Um, We're not believers. And I was just like all caught up in like looks and they just so happened to be foreign as well. Like not even United States citizens (laughs) and uh, the heartbreak that um, that followed with that, you know, and um, if I would have just listened, um, I could have avoided that. But I had to go through that. And 
it was only because of God's grace and his mercy that something good came out of it. And I was able to get back, you know, into the right standing and be rerouted. And now I'm here today with, you know, you all. So I don't know. We all make our own choices, make our own bumps, but it's something to be said about making the right decision the first time so we can avoid all the bumps. I have a question for the group. So say we were in Samson's shoes, what are some of the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that we would have if we were in that situation? And I, and I know it would be all be different because we're all different individuals, but what are some, you know, some of the thoughts and feelings that we would have if we was in that situation of your best man, you know, the person who you thought, you know, was your, uh, like a brother to you ended up walking off with the girl that you wanted to be with or married. Could you, okay, I got another question too. Would you forgive that person? <laughs> or would you forgive your best man or move forward? Or would you have to in that relationship with, with both of them? Say the question one more time for the people. Yeah, so if you, so put yourself in Samson's shoes. The first mm-hmm. question is what are some of the thoughts and feelings and emotions that you would have during this time if this happened to you? And then two, could you forgive your best man and your, I don't even know what to call her now, um, because she's not yours, the girl or the woman, could you forgive them if this were to happen to you, like in modern day time in 2022? <laughs> <laughs> still working on it, still working. I say this to get it started. Like, that's really, that's crazy because that story is kind of what happened to me, what led me to get saved. Basically, you feel me? It was a dog that was poking my man's. I know him since we was in, like, in kindergarten. Our dads went to school together. Even our grandparents went to school back in high school, back in the day. You feel me? That was my dog. You know what I mean? And I guess he got selfish. And then he went for my for my girl. At the time, I was struggling. A lot of y'all know my testimony. I was struggling with uh, hurting people. So I, I was poking my dog, and I was like, like I bet. I got to do what I got to do now. In that moment, like, I, like I, I, it is a lot of anger. You feel me? It's like, you supposed to be my dog. Like, that the I've realized a lot of times the things that hurt the most come from the people that's closest to us. You know what I mean? If if somebody on the street say you nothing, you like, all right, bro, that's nice. And then, well, if your mama say you nothing, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it hurt. So like, it, it it definitely was a lot. It's definitely like a more weight to it. Definitely hurts more when it's somebody that's close to you. But at the same time, that's when I really seen if you let it, if you let it. Because at first I wasn't gonna let it. I was gonna deal with it myself. You can feel me. I was banging on the front door, but I let God handle it. And I, I was, I'm still, as that happened years ago. And every day I still confess that I forgive him because it's still hard. It's not really a, a question of should you forgive him or it's, it's, it's like you need, because you need to forgive him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because you're going to let that manifest in you. And that's, that's now, I don't think he probably doesn't even think about me. But I know that I'm I, I'm sitting here meditating and saying I forgive him because if I don't say I, if I don't truly forgive him, I'm letting that spirit manifest and dwell within me and take root within me. You know what I mean? So I mean, definitely it's it's definitely hard. But I mean, once you let any time it comes to revenge, if you step back and you let God handle it, it's, it's it, he he can do more than what you than what you plan to do. You know what I mean? Even like when he's talking about taking vengeance, like. <laughs> God can definitely take more vengeance than what you're doing. I just plan on hurting them. You feel me? But God can do something that can last a long time. You know what I'm saying? Like even the scripture that we were talking about, I think last week, I don't know if this was in Young Life when we talked about it in, in our Bible study, we talked about like, what can mere mortals do to me? What can I do to him 
that uh, God can't do worse or God can turn this whole situation around. You know what I mean? So just saying it's in that instance, I would just say it's important to give it to God. I will cut them both off and let God heal me so that I can eventually forgive them. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. Basically. That, that's something that I've learned too. Like, cause it's not just the best man that betrayed him, but it's also his wife, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, you can forgive people, but that doesn't mean that the relationship has to stay the same or be the same. And at least that's what I've like learned. Cause you, now you have to, you, you can forgive them. And then I guess moving forward, like creating boundaries and loving from a distance. That's what I've like, like I've been learning. Cause it's like, when somebody hurts you that deep, it's hard to be like buddy, buddy with them again, like that. Yeah. Especially in this situation. It's like, yo, now your ex-wife and your ex-best man or best friend are together and, and then now you oh let's be buddy buddy you're looking at the situation it's like <laughs> what because if you if you think about it too right like usually the person that you marry is probably going to be like your best friend and so if, if that's your man too your best man is also mm-hmm. like your best friend so you just lost kind of well i wouldn't say you lost them unless you that's that's what you're gonna go but that's like your your best friends your best community literally just like switched up on you mm. that would be that's rough devastating i would chime in just a little bit kind of hitting on two points so i'm reading this one book it's called extreme ownership it's like a mm-hmm. navy seal army guy and he's the leadership book and what he talks about is i'm gonna try to tie it back into this story but what he talks about at the end of the day he takes ownership for everything that goes on in his life. He doesn't blame anybody. He doesn't talk about his shortcomings as excuses. So I'm reading, I'm going through that book. I'm not all the way through it. Um, so I want to talk about that. And then I also want to talk about as men, First Corinthians uh, 16 and 13 says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. And I think we can let our guards down, especially around people that we've known for a long time or that are our boys or that are this and we can look past people's faults and as men as leaders we always got to be on our guard and we have to take ownership of our lives and so like if we go if I relate what I just said to the story you know did you listen to your parents Samson I know God had a work in all this but your parents were questioning you trying to get married to this woman did you take a step back and assess what your parents had to say. And then another flag with Samson, when she's trying to figure out the answer to the riddle, are you taking a step back and saying, well, why is she trying to figure it out? She has no, even if she, like he said, my parents don't even know the answer because they have no benefit of knowing the answer. Mm -hmm. So if I give you the riddle, well, are you going to go and do what you did and tell them the answer to the riddle? I just say all that to say that we've got to look, watch out for their signs because the sign you know he, right. he got mad at her he could have got mad at them but if we if we think about the book extreme ownership and we think about this verse being on guard and standing firm in faith if he would have asked her well why do you need to know the answer to the riddle what does that benefit you and then if this does happen to our us in life just well did we miss some signs did we not listen to god did we not listen to our parents did we not because there are people you can trust um i don't think we have to go out <laughs> in this world and think there's no one we can trust i do feel like i got a couple people i can trust that i don't think they have any benefit from burning me but 
some people can benefit from burning you in life and you do have to realize that and understand some people will burn you and try to benefit from it. So that was my little two cents. Now, that was good, bro. I like that. What's the name of the book called again? You said Extreme Ownership? Yeah, Extreme Ownership. Let me see. I do Audible, the uh, the audio books. Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. I don't even know these authors. And Leif Babin. For but sure. yeah, Extreme Ownership book. Yeah, it's like a U.S. Navy seal. <laughs> like real hardcore and stuff. Okay, okay. Let me check that out. Yeah, like we said about picking up on the signs. You know, we see the signs and we can either choose to ignore them or choose to like, really listen to them. And so I guess from my perspective, this girl, she must have been looking really good for him to ignore the signs. And, and, and he was just maybe just blinded. And that's sometimes what often what happens. It could be a girl. It could be an opportunity. It could be whatever. Like really paying attention to when we are so blinded and um, just making sure we pick up on the signs along the way. Um, one thing that I uh, thought about when you said that was that, that one simple question could have changed the whole outcome of this. Um, the one simple question of you asking or Samson asking the woman, like, what, what is it? Was it, what is, what is it to you and how would you benefit from it? Like just that simple question could have changed the whole trajectory of the outcome of the story. But I was just thinking about that and how powerful that could have been or could have went, it could have went this way or it could have went a different way. Just depending, just depending on the questions that he asked, you know? And that's one thing I started to think about. One thing that I'm like, it, it's like a person. It's like a parent, especially throughout the, the entire Bible, is this. I'm not going to say all women, but like a lot of times the strongest uh, men in the Bible seem to get corrupt when a woman get, uh, the wrong woman gets involved. You know what I mean? And it seemed like, it's like you can go through the Bible, you can see kings, like powerful kings, David, Solomon, who slipped up by women. And it's like, even if you go back to uh, uh, Adam and Eve, like, the serpent had to go to the woman and it just I don't know it shows the importance of like trying to have watching out for women the wrong women I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to bash women all together that's not what I'm trying to do but like the wrong women because it's also wrong men but like if you're just watching out for like the wrong women that try to come and uh and taint your image and take uh and steer you off course from what God has for you like that's real that's really really important it's, it's people who who like i don't know in my life i know like a lot of, i've been robbed by i've been robbed by every only time i've ever been robbed by a woman uh i know people who've been like who got set up and shot and killed by uh their girlfriend or whatever and it's like you need to when you get in the hands of a wrong woman a wrong woman it's just like that's what truly like because that's what let your like, like when marty was just talking about the scriptures like like keep your guard up you know, it seems like a lot of times men let their guard down when women come when a woman comes around. You know what I mean? Because I don't know if we just think that like, oh, she's just a woman. I'm physically stronger than her. Or like, like Samson, you look, you look and you're like, oh, she's physically attractive. And when you come physically attractive, everything else comes down. You're just looking through the eyes. You're not looking. You're not using wisdom. You're not consulting with God first. You're just looking through the eyes. You you you're looking directly through the flesh. So then when you do that, everything else is not it's not working. It's not in accordance. So right. I know, I know that that's something that we as men definitely have to watch out for is for, uh, and that's, that's really what a lot of times ruins a lot of marriages and a lot of opportunities is, uh, uh, letting a woman, a corrupt woman, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say all women, a corrupt woman take you off course that God has for you. I think, uh, overall it, it kind of comes from just men 
being passive in, in their roles and not really accepting the, the responsibility that they have. And kind of like what you were saying, going back to like Adam and Eve, God specifically went to Adam with the commandment of, you know, what he was supposed to do to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it was then Adam's responsibility to kind of relay that same stuff or relay that message to Eve. But also when the serpent is deceiving Eve, it's not like Adam is, you know, a mile away tending to the garden. The Bible says that Adam was with Eve in this entire situation. So he was right there watching this whole thing play out. And instead of stepping up and saying something or questioning anything, he just kind of sat there and let this whole thing play out. So in, in a sense, you can kind of, not kind of, you you can blame Adam for that because he, he was the one that directly got the commandment from God. He was the one that was supposed to step up and say something, but yet rather he was kind of passive, not kind of, he was passive in that situation and, and didn't accept the responsibility that, that he had. And I, I kind of feel like we've, we've constantly seen a theme of kind of like men in, in our world of um, not rejecting being passive, but rather kind of being a passive because being, being passive because it's easier for them to do or requires less work. But you can't think about what, how it's going to affect you, but rather how it affects other people. And so when you have men that are deciding to be passive, yes, it may be easier for you, but now how is your children going to be affected? How is your wife going to be affected? You got to think about stuff like that. If you have a responsibility to do, it may be easier for you to not do that responsibility, but well, how is your work going to be affected? How is your family going to be affected? How is your, your home even going to be affected? So I, I think it's easy for us to kind of like think about ourselves when we want to do something, but you really should be thinking about us. How is it going to affect other people? Because if I'm, if men are called to be leaders, then there's going to be other people under us that we have to be concerned about, that we have to, to worry about. And as a good leader, I should be concerned about the people that I'm leading so that I don't lead them astray. People are literally counting on us for certain stuff. People are depending on us for certain things. And if we fail in that area, it's not just me that failing. I'm failing somebody else as well. Uh, I like what he just said. Um, I think a lot of times we don't we don't really think about how like um, our actions affect the people around us. And um, mm -hmm. I know, especially like sometimes, especially me. You know, I, like um, I, one one thing I noticed is how like people, like my little brother, a couple years ago, I, I never really paid attention to how like everything I do, like he looks at. And um, you know, I was living, I was living for the world. And uh, my little brother was like looking at everything I done, I was doing, and then like I started seeing him doing the same things I was doing, and then that, that's when I started to uh, realize that like even though we don't know, but like the things that we do really do affect other people around us, and uh, like yeah, we have to step up, be accountable, and like you said, yeah, he, Adam was right there, right next to Eve when when the serpent when the serpent was deceiving her, and he didn't say anything. I know that that's definitely I can definitely even testify to that, like. Even looking up to my older cousins, like the ones that was like in the streets and all that. I had no business being in the streets. I'm not even, I don't, I'm not even in a position to be in the streets. But yet I tried to be in the street just because they was in it. And it did not work out for me at all. <laughs> We're just like, even now, like just, just looking at, like, I also like you talking about being your responsibility as a man, like what's affects your family. You also like, whether you, whether you married with kids or not, you also like, most of the time, men has a, has a strong like uh, a role model stature to him. So it's people that like that 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 are looking at you 
and like taking taking note of what you're doing and you don't even know you know what i mean like it's people that it's people that i'm that i kind of look up to that I, I never tell them that i'm looking up to you and then when they like when they slip and fall it's like dang bro like i'm looking up to you you know what i mean so that's definitely another stature to like like uh uh being a man and also kind of also that kind of also ties into what marty was talking about being uh taking responsibility of your actions and watching what you do yeah and then there's something to that to you said uh isaiah you said accountability i think that sometimes as men we have our, our pride it's hard to um when somebody is keeping you accountable and it's like telling you about you um and i said something that i have had to and i'm still working on like accepting constructive criticism or accepting when someone is um, calling me out, you know, on my stuff and I'm um, calling me out out of love. And I, and, and there's also, um, it's all about like the delivery and everything. But if you have the relationship with somebody, you know, then a person maybe will maybe more willing to call you out in a way where it's like, it's like straight up. It's not beating around a bush. It's not walking around the street. It's like straight up while I may not like it in the moment. I think having a person that keeps me accountable, I'll appreciate in the long run. It kind of keeps you on your toes, keeps you on that right path and everything like that. And sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I'll be like, man, like, who are you talking to? Like, what? Why are you talking to me like this? Mm-hmm. But I would rather have that than a, a person. I'd rather have a person tell me who uh, about myself than a person not say anything at all. And then I make a mistake. I fall into a hole that could have been unavoidable if I had only listened to the people around me that was keeping me accountable that had my best interests at heart. And sometimes as men, we don't want to listen. We feel like we have our own set way of doing things, but you got to have counsel. You got to have wise counsel. You got to surround yourself with people that know more than you that have lived this life before and just, or, and friends that are on the same path, the same mission that you want. Because in the, port, in, in the long run, you can't do this life by yourself because we only know so much. So that's something I'm working on for sure. I'd like to share something. Um, and... I guess I just want to make a comparison on, like, to go back to the scripture of when Samson was born, Samson wasn't born the way we were born, correct? What do you mean by that? So, like, how was Samson born? Was Samson born through his parents, or was it born, was, did Jesus, I mean, did God put Samson into his mom? I think it was in the beginning, I don't remember. That's a good question, because in the beginning of the passage in chapter 13, it was saying how they weren't able to get pregnant. Exactly, and then the angel came and said that you will be pregnant. Right. So, so was it was it the dad or was? Isn't there also a scripture that says Jesus was the only person born throughout like uh without having sex? Basically, that's not what the scripture said, but that's that's like what it refers to. You probably don't know. We probably don't want Well, regardless, I think it's I think it's still fair to say that the he was born in kind of like a miraculous way because mm-hmm. they were not able to have children at all and then this angel came and now she's able to have this this child mm-hmm. and the, so the reason why I, go ahead go ahead Z. no i was just saying i think that's just fair to say oh the reason why i brought that up was because i just wanted to talk about the men um in the faith and and the responsibility that was put on their shoulders to even be able to accept, like accept that from joseph and and uh samson's father like, just imagine, like, you with your wife, and then she tell you she's pregnant, and she never had sex. Like, how would you, and then she's like, oh, I just got pregnant from God. Like, how would you, like, how would you take that? <laughs> I know I would. I probably, you know, we'll have to do some therapy or something. But You know, even where I'm at with my faith, mm-hmm. it's like, are you sure? 
I need proof. I mean, I mean, I would pray. No, I would pray, but I would need some type of. I would uh, maybe I see why the angels came to the men because I would need to know. Like, I would need the angel telling me like this really happened. I'm like, oh, okay, and I'll just you know keep going. But just to have the faith and in, in, in the discipline and everything to just, I guess, go along with the plan. So, so at the end of the day, God can get glory. I think is something that's amazing. Um, because I don't know how many men will um, even stay around to even do that and we were talking about um marty was talking about how men should act and and, and behave a certain way i think that's the that's the epitome of it right saying like look this is about to happen and, and then trusting god and having and even having faith in god and believing that that was actually true um because women could be manipulative manip- manipulative right she could have mm-hmm. said oh i had you know intercourse with this person this person this person i don't know who the father is but just for them to have faith and be diligent enough to, to go along with the plan. I think that's something I wanted to compare with the fathers of Jesus and Samson. I also think like even going on, on with that, that's like something a lot of men got to realize when you a man, especially a man of valor, you have to like, it's still a point, like a, like a submission to God. I don't think the Bible talks about this. Even talking about like Joseph, if he going to his homeboys and like, bro, I heard your girl got pregnant. Like, yeah, her and God got, she told me God, uh, Got her pregnant. It, it wasn't nothing like that. It just it, God did it. And then like, oh, okay, you feel me? Like, mm-hmm. but the submission has to go along with that. And like the, I don't know, the, just just like the how much you gotta trust in God with, with your family, trust in God with whatever's going on. I know men, even some men today, and it's like kind of going along with like the Joseph thing. It's not very the same, but like some men, uh, I met a man. He right now in the position he's in, his wife is bringing in most of the money, and. He is bringing in money. But he's not bringing in the same amount of money as his wife, but he's trusting in God. You know what I mean? And I know a lot of people might look at like, bro, why is your wife bringing in most of the money? Why is your wife paying the majority of the bills? And it's like, it's not something he can explain. You know what I mean? It's like, but still having that spirit that like, Lord, let your will be done, not mine. Because he can easily go find another job that pays a lot more. But right now, he like where he's at, the Lord specifically told him to like, where he's at is like where he's supposed to be. But to still have as a man had that has that had that spirit that Lord let your will be done, not mine. I know a lot of men, it's like when they're the head of the household, nobody can tell them nothing. They're never wrong. It's it's like uh when I come in, I want my plate, I want this. It's it, like it's 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 me because I run the household, but it's like to have, as a man to have that that thing to and, and to sit at the table, not at the throne. You know what I mean? And let God be the head of the house and not you, basically what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah, Drew. And two, I think that it, it has to be, well, if you're in Christ, you have to have a sense of humbleness. Uh-huh. Um, and you have to be willing to put your pride aside to let God's will be done. And that's something that I think the the, the two fathers had to do, and, and many men have to do who are in Christ, is that you have to put, because pride, pride can be a great thing. Right. Pride could be one of the best things you can brag about yourself. You can talk down on the people to make you feel good. And it's a feel good thing. But at the end of the day, for those who are for those of us who are in Christ, you know, you have to put you have to give God the glory no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. And that's humbling enough right there. No matter what you, you score 30 points in a game. <laughs> I could easily say, you know, I, hey, hey, I'm mm-hmm. stuck. Hey, I put in the work. I stayed at the gym four hours extra. I did this. But just to be humble enough to just even like give God the glory in that moment is something that you say you you acknowledge in the fact that it's, it's God's will, not mine. Because just as you had 30, you can have two the next. 
So you get humble enough <laughs> for real. You know, then you getting cut. So it's just a, being humble enough, being humble enough to just acknowledge God in all our ways during um times of trial and victory that we can acknowledge him in all of our ways is something that's that's that you gotta be humble to do. And if you could be humble in that, then you could be humble in other areas. Um, just as you said, as the 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 man, I mean the woman making more money than the man, that's humbling, right? And for him to do that, you gotta be in the will of God, because else that would make you, you know, go out and you know, sell drugs, do whatever you got to do to at least even make what she make or even more. Um, but just resting in that is something that I think that's 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 great. And um, and us belonging to Christ is something that I think is a very humbling experience that will open up doors for us later on down the road. Going back to the like, or not going back, kind of piggybacking off of like the humility thing. Uh, one thing that I, I've learned about humility is that it's not necessarily about making yourself less than who you are but just truly embracing who God has created you to be. So it's not making yourself more than who you are, but also not less than who you are. So there's nothing wrong with being confident in who you are, but just know that. So making yourself less than what you are isn't necessarily humility because you're, you're now kind of downplaying what God has created you to be. God wants you to just fully embrace who you are. Uh, so when people say like kind of humble yourself, I think it should be more of a thing of like, just just be who God has created you to be. Don't be more than who you are. Don't be less than who you are, but just be and fully and entirely just you, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, if anything, I was going to mention how it's interesting how uh, there was a calling on like Samson's life before he was even born. I think a lot of times, or not maybe all the time, that's how that's exactly what happens to each one of us like there's a reason why we're here on this earth we all have you know a calling on our life whether we have realized it or not even going back to um you know going to like jeremiah where he where he um where before jeremiah was born he was saying like i knew you before you was formed in your mother's womb like before before his mom was even pregnant like the, the guy was telling like his mom like yeah you have a child and don't do this, giving him, giving the mother specific instructions about her child that wasn't even in her belly yet. And so just to think about how, like for us, like how our parents may have had a feeling that they was going to have a kid or maybe had even talked about when they was our age about having children and then to actually get pregnant and have us here. Like there's a reason why we're here. We were planned long before we even were born. I think that in, in going, in, developing a relationship with God like we learn what our calling is and then once you come to the knowledge of that it's like you can either accept it or you know run away from it and I guess sometimes running away from it you'll find that you always find your way back to it or you'll find yourself doing something similar to it I guess I don't know I guess for I guess a question for y'all like do y'all have y'all felt like y'all have a y'all know y'all's calling or that y'all have a calling of y'all's lives and how are y'all what have y'all done to like either embrace that or have y'all been like running away from that mm. by, by calling I mean like what God is calling you to do like for the kingdom I guess um one thing that I, I feel like God has been calling me to at least recently is just really just being intentional with friendships and drawing people closer to him um and sometimes i be kind of like mad because i don't be wanting to be dealing with some people and i'd be i'd be feeling bad because it's like man like i really don't want to talk right now 
but I know God is using me for some reason. And I, I guess I'm gonna just be here in this conversation, but it'd be, it be kind of tough sometimes. Cause there's some people that's just like, you really don't like get along with for real. Not that like y'all are on, like in bad terms or anything, but y'all just don't kind of have like some of the same like interests and stuff. And sometimes it can be hard to kind of make conversation. And so it's just kind of dragging. And it'd be feeling like that. Like I'm just, I'm just there, just kind of listening, not in my head. Yep. Yep. Um, but sometimes, you know, people just kind of need someone that's going to listen to them. Someone that's just going to be there for them. Someone who's going to love them. Someone who's going to support them. Um, and I, and I'm able to do that, but I'm also supposed to be showing my light and I'm supposed to be sharing who Christ is. And I can't be afraid to hide my light. Kind of like the pastor talks about, like, you know, who, who lights a lamp and then puts a basket over it? Like, what's the purpose of, of having this light if you're not going to let it shine, if it's just going to be, be covered up, you know, let it, let it shine. Like, the, you know, that little song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Like, that's literally what it's about. Let, let your light shine. Like, don't, don't hide it. Um, and I feel like I, I've been doing that uh, because of kind of like my own stuff. Like, it's, it's just a desire of like not wanting to um, be bothered at times and not wanting to engage in conversation. Um, but again, you know, kind of going back to what I was saying before, as, as a leader, I'm, a, I'm really hurting others more than I'm hurting myself. Um, and I don't, and I don't want to do that. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I think my calling and like my calling in my spiritual gift is like serving others. And um, it's kind of hard when we live in like a capitalistic society because, you know, you don't really, you know, it's kind of hard to make a living when you're serving others. So sometimes I struggle with, uh, I think my passion is education, like teaching and like helping, helping the next generation. But sometimes I struggle with like wanting, wanting to like get into education because, you know, my mom, she was an educator for 40 plus years and, you know, and, mm-hmm. like, you know, she not, she didn't paycheck to paycheck, but it was, it wasn't, wasn't the, it wasn't comfortable, you know, sometimes she struggled, sometimes she didn't. So I, I struggle with like trying to be able to like navigate this, capitalistic society and also like live out my purpose what, what i think my purpose is so you're saying uh if i like heard it clearly like because of what you know, um what you seen your mom like go through as a teacher that has made you like kind of like skeptical about accepting that being a that, teacher yourself that and even like what we're seeing now with like this whole pandemic and seeing like all the things that teachers are like having like my mom she had they forced her to re- they forced her to retire because she didn't want to teach in person She's 72 years old and she didn't want to go back in person. So they like forced her to retire. So to see like, the way like teachers are treated and like, you know, all the work they go through, like all the things she had to go through, like not only like, at school, but outside of outside of the school, it kind of makes it like, kind of makes me question if like, you know, education is really what I want to do, even though it's, it's what I feel like I'm not supposed to be doing. It makes me, I really wonder if it's what, like what I want to do, like will I be, will I enjoy doing it? Yeah, I feel that. It's like here's um what Marquis what Marquis said said uh, I found myself running from my calling for a long time due to how it was introduced to me and what I was seeing in the background. So I think more so I more so rejected it until God really started to show me that it was their walk and not my walk. Mm. So kind of related to what you're saying, Isaiah, and then myself included. Like I think that a lot of times when we know what our calling is. We it start off with us like running away from it. This maybe how it was introduced to us. Maybe we saw how other people went through it, 
other people's experience. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around like what I'm supposed to be doing because I guess for me, uh, my my so my my parents are pastors of a church, and you know people have kind of told me like that I may you know take up the mantle and become a pastor myself. And I don't want to do that, <laughs> you know, um, just based off of what I've seen my parents going through and how difficult I feel like that is. I feel like a calling. A calling on your life is it may be it may be difficult, but I feel like God equips you. He wouldn't call you to something. So he wouldn't call you to something that you are not prepared for and something that you're not capable of, because if it's your calling, then that's what you're made to do. And trusting God and just stepping out on it, you will see that the provision will be there. Everything that you could have ever imagined or wanted is on the other side of you accepting that calling. I think of like Coach Monty Williams of the Phoenix Suns. He he has said something. He said like everything you could have ever wanted is on the other side of fear, and that mm-hmm. once you break through that, the fear of like, am I going? Is it going to work out? Is this really my calling? Is this? Am I? Can I actually do this? Once you like break through that, and know that God, and we understand that like God is with us and He will direct us, and then everything would just kind of work itself out. And if we knew everything, then we wouldn't have no. We wouldn't. If we knew everything, we wouldn't have no need for God. Um, so some stuff is kept unknown. We know what the end result will be. We know the lives that we impact, but those lives won't be impacted until we make that jump and accept what God is calling us to do. So I don't know, just some of the things that have came to my mind. So. Yeah. I'll go ahead and read what Trey has said. The calling that God has put on my life is to serve others. I find myself having a passion to help others because I've seen my mom do it my whole life. After studying, studying higher education and serving as the academic advisor for the whole summer of 2021, I think God is calling me to give back to the community and potentially serve in the education system. That's dope. And I see Marty agree. Yeah. In the education system, I would really, honestly, I mean, it's kind of like a sidebar, but I would really like to see an overall improvement in our education system because I mean, I feel like even a lot of teachers would tell you this, but there's just so much that's like not really taught to equip kids to be in this world. And I really just think it's kind of setting us up to kind of give money to like governments and stuff. And we could definitely like do better with the the things that we're taught uh, to prepare and equip people to really just be in this world and not feel like they have to struggle and not feel like they have to depend on some other source other than themselves. And it's, it's kind of sad. I think that, well, I'm in the educate, well, sort of in the educational system as well. Um, as y'all know, I mentor the Michigan football team. So um, we got a lot of educators like in, in here today. I think it's like four or five of us. Um, and I just wanted to encourage everyone um, who does do that type of work because it's not easy seeing the resources that other school systems and other people have and then look what you have. But I just wanted to encourage everybody that despite what we have now, we, we have all we need and God will provide all, all we have and all we need. Um, so just, just continue to stay encouraged and, and just rely and allow God to use you to help these kids. Cause um, we making an impact. We might not see it now, but we may never see it. But at the end of the day, we're making it, we're making an impact helping these kids um, become better people and better human beings moving forward. I was just gonna say, I for some reason lately, it's even on the Zoom call. Like I've been seeing, like 
it seemed like God called a lot of people to education. And I feel like the reason for that is, I mean, we can all think back to uh, our kindergarten teacher or our first grade teacher or just a teacher that may not re- remember us at all, but it's something that they said to us that we, that we probably remember for the rest of our lives. And this, I don't know, it's something that about a teacher that can leave an effect on you. And teachers, basically what I'm saying, teachers can plant a seed. Somebody like that, some, like somebody that you see other than your parents every day that essentially, subliminally, you look at as almost like a parent figure in some instances. And it's like, if you get a teacher that is able, I'm not saying preach to your kids, but show off the love of God or let God's light shine through you on the kids or or plant seeds like like, like in each, each one of the kids' hearts, that's something that will, you know what I'm saying, that, that they can keep with them for the rest of their life. You know what I mean? It's some it's some teachers that said something to me that I took for the rest of my life. I'm still I'm still I'm still holding on to. They probably don't even remember who I am. I'm still like thinking about what they said to me, good or bad. You know what I mean? And like, let you show for like a few months. Show just just let God's light show through you, or let God's love and joy and peace and comfort shine through you to the kids. You know what I mean? That's something that could change their life, and 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 they can grow up serving God because of the seed that you planted, whether you know it or not. And I just like Zeke said, it is a lot of it's, it's also a lot of pressure being a teacher. Like like Isaiah said, the pay may not be good. And I know teachers, they also they uh, the main ones getting cussed out or now they got a babysitter, they're breaking up fights or all that. Sometimes they got to pay for their own supplies. It's, it's a lot to come with it. But I'm just saying, if you when you do it and you serving God and you leading souls to the kingdom, you know, what I'm saying that's a better reward than anything. When, when I had like when I had graduated uh, on my undergrad degree, um, I had got a DM on Instagram from a former from a former teacher. And I didn't even realize that we followed each other. But she had sent me like a letter that I had wrote in the sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And it, it talked about how like uh, I was going to graduate from college. I was going to be the first person, first whatever to do it. And then um, she said she's been waiting since the like she's been waiting. She put that letter up the day I wrote it to her and she's been waiting until the day I graduated. So like even like that, like it's just like. Well, I didn't, I don't even remember the letter, but like she's been holding on to the letter all these years and waiting on the day to like give it to me. So that's I think that, I think that's one of the reasons why like just like you know outside of your parents, the teacher is the person that the kids see more mm-hmm. than anybody else. Sometimes more than a parent. Sometimes the teacher treats the kid or does more for the kid than some parents. Yeah. So everybody in here that wants to do education, you guys are firing me up. I gotta let you guys know. I know we're sidetracked, but. My dad's a principal at East English Village. He's been the educator for 30-something plus years. My mom's a sixth-grade math teacher at Levy Middle School and Southwood Public Schools. And I didn't realize it growing up. My mom's a teacher. My dad's a principal. But that, 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 that job, that, that role in education is so impactful. And now I'm 26. I'm older. I go out. Every time we go out, oh, this your dad, he was my, my dad's been at Southwell High, Southwell Lathrop, all other schools in Detroit, Detroit Northern is closed now and stuff, but it's so impactful. Oh man, your dad changed my life. Wow. Oh man, your dad used to, your dad used to, you know, wake up, pick me up from my crib and then take us to work out and then take us to school. Oh man, it was a day when I was going through this, this, and this, and I wanted to beat this kid up and your dad sat me down and gave me some perspective in life. So everyone in here that's questioning or 
going through things with education is, I mean, Jesus, we can go to Jesus because he's the greatest teacher. Hey, Jesus, this happened today. You know, how, how, how should I go about reacting to this? How should I go about feeling? How should I go about, um, you know, what should I do? Because, because Jesus is the greatest teacher. So I just wanted to echo, I grew up with teachers and I just think it's a great profession. I even sometimes go back and forth and think, should I be, should I be in education? Uh, real quick, uh, Marcus, he had put in the chat a question for you. Um, how did that make you feel uh, when you were growing up? Uh, it was hard because my dad's a principal. So, you know, um, it was hard because there would be days he left at four because he's picking up other kids. So he's mm -hmm. leaving at four o'clock in the morning doing things with other kids and, and they got a football game or a basketball game, freshman JV varsity after. So growing up, sometimes you don't see dad like Monday through Friday. Like by the time I wake up at six, he's already gone. And by the time I get home and go to bed by nine, he's, he's just now getting, getting back to the house and I'm already asleep. So um, it's, it's time consuming. I understand what you guys are saying. It's time consuming. It's stressful, but it's, it's all for the Lord and it's all, it's all good work. So I'm just blessed now that I'm older and, you know, he is working from home and, you know, we, we've been able to spend more time together and stuff, kind of being able to see it full circle. But yeah, it was tough growing up. But my mom, as a teacher, she was, she was always off when we were off school. She was on break when we were off break. And so it kind of, we just, we made it work. Um, reading what Marcus has said, he's also in the education system. Um, actually at the middle school, uh, my daughter attends. Sometimes I find myself pouring in children and I don't want to take that from her. Yo, that is so, so huge because I think about that a lot of like wanting to be there and support and help out for other people that I, I sometimes worry like, dang, am I neglecting the, like the people that are really like around me? Like, or, or would I allow my concern for other people to be so overwhelming? that now I'm neglecting like my family or like my children or my spouse when it, whenever that, that comes. Like I would hate that someone else is being neglected because I'm trying to help somebody else and trying to like fulfill this role of being, you know, the support system for multiple people at the same time. Uh, I, I mean, I definitely understand that, like at least that thought process if I'm not actually like there yet. And what I, what I feel like God has been trying to take or teach me is to, to take care of home. And to make sure that like the the people in my home, my house is like my first ministry. Like that's that's where it starts. Sometimes like I have like really big dreams and aspirations and stuff that I want to do. But if I can't even start at my home, how can I attain the goal or whatever I'm aspiring for if I can't even take care of what I got going on at home? So if I'm able to take care of this, if I'm being diligent and responsible for the things that God has given me, um, then I'll for sure be able to take care of the stuff that will be given like as, as time goes on you know that's that's definitely that kind of tough of wanting to be there for multiple people and making sure that you're not neglecting or shortchanging someone else mr butler put something in the chat uh, i fought my calling for years until forest in 2020 oh my bad in 2002 to counsel premarital and marital couples because i didn't feel worthy enough and old enough but though God, but through God, my wife and I see seeing couples married, marriage is strengthened by God working through us. 
which is a great impact on society and those households by keeping God's company. Serving is an awesome thing because the impact is limitless. And yes, you may not always see the big impact, but God does. I, I guess bringing it back to Samson, I'm just looking at verse number four, chapter 14, verse number four, where it says, his father and mother didn't realize the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. From what I understand, Samson's one, well, I believe like Samson's calling was to defeat the Philistines. And so I guess in, I'm thinking about what Samson had to go through to get to that point. And it, it may be in, it, a lot of those situations were there to, to develop him um, and prepare him for that, for his calling. And so it's like, if you think back over your life, a lot of things that didn't work out, rejections or hard situations or whatever, if it's in a way God, you know, was using those things to develop our, develop us, to develop our character, develop who we are today, to have us ready for our calling. Because maybe early on, we were not as ready or prepared for our calling and had to go through a few things to to learn things and be ready for it fully. As we wrap up this episode, we just want to thank you all for tuning in and we just hope that you stay tuned. Stay tuned for more episodes as we continue to kick this out, continue doing this in the future. And while you're at it, follow us on Instagram at WeRK4C. Again, on Instagram, follow us at WeRK4C. And along with that, share with family and friends. And we hope that this is not the last time that you've taken the time to hear from Kings for Christ. Until next time.